All right, Blue Jays fans, welcome back to another edition of the Blue Jays Bites podcast. My name is Bryant Ott. Joining me tonight is Matt DeMoranis. Say hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. All right. Matt's been a busy guy here the last couple uh, last couple of weeks as Creighton men's basketball has gotten back into the mix ahead of the 2018-2019 season. I know, Matt, you've been publishing quite a few practice reports to whiteandbluereview.com, which is the site where all Jays fans, home and away, can can keep in touch with their favorite Creighton sports programs. But um, just this week, we're going to do, I guess, a really, really quick level set on what's been going on at the Championship Center, both on the court and in the trainer's room. I know there's (laughs) quite a bit of action in both spots right now but um we'll also talk this this week a little bit about volleyball and men's soccer too as they both uh both programs head into uh weekends away from omaha uh for some conference action so matt i guess um catch re- uh catch our readers or listeners in this case up on kind of how things uh, left off today uh with men's basketball practice um I know that we got practice here starting in a little less than 10 hours, so you'll be up bright and early. But um, kind of what were your key takeaways today um, from from practice? Uh, well, today was, the, you know, the, today was the day after the off day, so those are the, usually the practices where um, it's a little sloppy, a um, little, like, lack of focus, I guess, when guys jump back into the thing. That's They tend to have their clunkers on days after days off, Um and I think today was it wasn't the worst practice in the world, but I th- I didn't chart anything or talk to any coaches afterwards, or so I could be just could just be my opinion here. But I thought you know there were a few too many turnovers, um, just things weren't sharp. And then early there was a defensive drill um, that lacked a little bit of intensity, and the guys needed to be fired up a little bit from the coaching staff, so you could kind of get a feel for the fact that they did have that day off and. There was a little bit of slippage there, but uh, tomorrow they're going to practice, which is it is actually is interesting that they had that kind of a day today because they're going to practice at 6 in the morning, like you alluded to, uh, tomorrow. And that's usually not one where you're all firing all cylinders early in the morning either. So sure. it's going to be interesting to see how they finish up the um, this two-day stretch here because they're going to take uh, Saturday and Sunday off. Um, and get back at, at it on Monday night um, to kind of get ready for the Minnesota scrimmage and everything like that. So um, tomorrow morning will be interesting, but certainly Monday will be probably pretty important for them to kind of get um, get sharp again and uh, after two days off and kind of get rolling as the season gets closer and closer. Yeah, so how would that work? Um, not to fast forward too much, but when you talk about the Minnesota scrimmage, the Gophers will be coming to town um, – about this time 20th. next yeah 20th mm-hmm. right so yep um you know next week will they start treating those those practices like game week uh, i know i mean in the throes of conference play you have multiple games a week and even in some of the non-conference time but will they start to from your past experience uh being close to the program will they start to ratchet things up like a game week or how will that work no, it won't be like a game week. It'll be just uh, they'll still work on themselves a little bit. The, the thing with the Minnesota thing is they might scout a little bit okay. um, just in terms of like what they know about Minnesota's personnel coming back. But obviously they won't have any film on Minnesota um, for this year, so they'll be kind of going in blind as will Minnesota. So the, what, the, what, the, what the closed scrimmage will do is kind of like expose some warts, if you will, 
Um, so they're just kind of get like you know, work on themselves, sharpen things up, and go in as prepared as they possibly can be from their perspective. And then the Minnesota scrimmage will serve to expose some things, um, and then they can put it on film and um, you know kind of dissect it from there. That's why most of those things are closed, honestly. It's just because there's a, it's not it's not completely structured structured like a like a game. There's like you know there'll there'll be two 20 minute periods, obviously, and you'll go with your ones and who you think is the first rotation and the main rotation. And then there's an extra period where you kind of can throw in some, um, some backups and see how they handle uh, an opponent. You know, that's not themselves and a little bit of unfamiliarity and things like that, just a game atmosphere type of deal. Uh, but really these close scrimmages are just kind of to, um, you know, go up against someone who doesn't know your playbook, who doesn't know what you're doing and doesn't know your tendencies and, and, and vice versa, um, but there won't be much. It won't be. It won't be much game prep in um, Minnesota. It'll just be a normal practice week and then a scrimmage with another team at the end of it. But they played each other last year, right, up in the Twin Cities. So there might be a little yep. bit of familiarity, right? If not on the uh, on the behalf of the players themselves, because obviously roster turnover and and whatnot. But on the on the staffs, uh, I would think particularly. So how? I mean, I don't remember that happening in recent years. Um, you know what? What do you think? If you if you were if you were seated if you were seated at that close scrimmage, which I know you cannot go, whatever mm-hmm. stupid rules. But what would you be expecting? What I mean, what what are you looking for out of something like that, based on the practices that you've been at at this point? Um, I'm not really looking so much. I know this sounds like I'm setting it up for. Creighton not to play well, I guess, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really looking for what the result shows. I'm kind of looking for how well do the things that we see on a daily basis from players translate to another opponent. You know what I mean? Like, right. Damian Jefferson. Like, 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 like let's, let's say for example, let's say for example, Mitch, Mitch Ballack is shooting 65% from three or something like that against his own team in practice leading up to the Minnesota scrimmage. And then he goes one for 10 against Minnesota. Like, is he shooting 65% because he's playing against Creighton and their defense is really bad or is, you know, or is he the real deal and he lights up Minnesota? Like, I want to see how well those things translate. Like Sam Froling has been really impressive. How well does he handle a big 10, you know, some big 10 post players? Sure. Uh, Marcus, Marcus Zagorowski has looked really good. How well does he handle like, uh, you know, a backcourt like Minnesota's how well does the speed of the game change? what he does in terms of his success rate. Like I'm just going to kind of look at individuals and see how they perform. And obviously we'll talk to coaches and kind of get some context as to why certain players succeeded or struggled at the end of it. If it was just a bad day or if there was some things exposed, that's kind of what that whole deal will do for the team at the end of the day. I'm not necessarily looking for as much of a result. Now, obviously if Creighton gets their door, their doors blown off, that'll that'll be a little eye popping. So you'll wonder, you know, if they lose by 40, you'll wonder why. Um, But I don't think there's not too much in the result that I'll look at necessarily more. So how much the individuals and what they've done so far translates to um, having an opponent that's unfamiliar with their, you know, with the, I'm familiar with their skill set. That's a good transition then. So what have they been doing so far? I know that the practice reports have been kind of a goldmine for us to just, you know, those of us that look for every little silver lining or every little clue um, have been tuned in to things like Coach Merfeld saying that Christian Bishop's, 
you know, got a great sense for things, but maybe just the game's a little too fast for him right now. A lot of that. Yeah, today, like, today the game was really fast for him. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> one of those things. It's an ebb and flow for a freshman. Well, hopefully he's, a, hopefully he's a morning guy then because it sounds like there you uh, go. he's got to speed yeah, up. I'm glad, I, I'm glad I asked Murfeld about him when I did, let's just say that, because he okay. had a really strong practice the day, before, the day I asked sure. uh, Coach Murfeld about him. But it would have been funny after today. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it's just – it's it's uh, I, I, I mean, this the, the the tone of this week was definitely defense because uh, they had the organized scrimmage on Sunday, on Sunday morning. So while guys performed well offensively, there was definitely the coaches took away that there was some issues defensively, and I think the majority, <clears throat> excuse me, the majority of practice this week was focused on that end of the floor for sure. Um, so I think maybe that contributed, I think, to possibly some of the turnovers we saw today, just because the offense hasn't been getting as much, as many reps as the defense this week. Um, but at the same time, you kind of you kind of can afford to do that at this point in the season. You can, you know, you can focus heavy on one side of the ball, and you know, eventually there's going to be a mesh point where you get everything ironed out uh, to the point where you're ready to start playing games that matter. So um, today was a little bit of of overexposure to the defense and the offense never, not necessarily being as sharp because of the lack of reps this week and the lack of focus on that side of the ball. Um, that certainly was a contributed factor, but the defense is definitely something that they're focusing on this week. And I think um, you're starting to just see a little bit more. Like I said, the urgency wasn't necessarily, you know, ready to go when practice started. So there was a little bit of a light of fire under their ass a little bit moment. And then um, things kind of ratcheted up from there. Uh, but they're trying to get, you know, obviously without Kyrie Thomas, that's going to be a huge question mark. So they're trying to get, you know, some individuals that they feel like have high ceilings, higher ceilings defensively to, to step up to that level a little bit. Um, and then obviously from the team scheme standpoint, just to get everybody in tuned and on the same page and, you know, limiting as many mistakes as possible. What? I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about something I alluded to early at the at the at the setup there. Um, you know, we hear Martin goes down with an ankle, and everybody holds their breath because the guy's just been struggling and fighting to get back uh, from the knee. But uh, I'm sure he's not the only guy banged up. What's it? What's the what's the week zero injury report feel like right now? I know we're in the midst of a NFL football season right now with the injury reports and stuff, but what's that look like right now for these guys? And is it just, you know, little nicks and scrapes and soreness and people adjusting to the speed of the game, or is it is it stuff that really should be concerning for Jays fans? Uh, some, some guys have a little bit of, uh, you know, some nagging injuries that aren't necessarily, I wouldn't say, you know, concerning because it's not keeping them off the practice floor. Um I think the the three that probably stand out as ones to watch maybe going forward are I guess there's probably not three. Marcus Zagorowski tweaked his ankle a little bit, but he's he's probably they say he's a week away, but he's probably less than that. He he did a lot of five on five stuff today, and um, he didn't go full court, but he looks like he's moving better. So mm. I wouldn't expect him to be out too long. So that's not one I think I would lump in. So the two really that are worth watching, I guess are Martin Crample's recovery from the ACL, which looked like it was didn't even happen as well as he was playing. And then, um, obviously, the ankle injury, which, again, I mean, this kid is – it's just strange how fast he heals. I don't know what it is. 
Um, it's the Stilvanian blood. You think he said on Twitter, right? The Stilvanian blood. He did. I love it. Yeah, I asked him. I asked him what he was made out of, and he said Stilvanian blood, baby. Um, oh boy. So yeah, it's just one of those things. It was a really bad ankle sprain. Honestly, they, they it, you know, it was, when it happened, it was like a deafening silence, and everybody crowded around him, and it felt like it was worse than that. But X-rays were negative, and the MRI didn't show anything terribly wrong structurally. But it's a high ankle sprain. It's very bruised. It's very swollen. Um, so three weeks was his timetable for that, but he was out there today doing the five on five stuff, like doing defensive drills, shuffling his feet, you know, moving side to side, all that stuff that you don't think should be happening on a high ankle sprain. Um, and then when they pulled him, which they had to do, uh, <laughs> cause he wouldn't come out of otherwise. Course. Right. Yeah. Um, he went and shot jumpers with a couple managers, you know, didn't like, <laughs> so it's like, he's just. He's just wired differently. I, I'm telling you, there's just a unique toughness about that guy. Um, so that's one to watch. Definitely his ankle and his progression, obviously, from the knee injury uh, going forward. And then obviously Jacob Epperson, another one who uh, you know he has. It's 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 a strength issue. I think it's more than more a strength issue than than necessarily a when's the knee going to go type of deal. Um, it's just, but it bothers him a lot. You know, he has to fight through it. And you kind of see at points when he jumps, when he lands, when he, you know, when he cuts, uh, that it kind of, it bothers him a little bit uh, to the point where he has to stop and take a playoff here and there. Um, but so he wears the brace for support and that's just, you know, kind of as best they can do. They just monitor it from there. Um, so that's the situation that's probably worth watching going forward, I guess, is how well he handles that. And I think, you know, if he can put some just, he has trouble keeping weight on is what, the deal is, um, hmm. and that probably contributes to that a little bit, I guess, from a strength standpoint. Um, so that's his that's his hurdle uh, to clear going forward. Um, that does not sound insignificant, though. I mean, you know, it's not sure. insignificant, but he's still effective. You know, like it's not it's not like it's not like he can't play with it. So that's that's the reason I don't necessarily put it as priority number one because it's not like. Um, you know, he's got a partially torn up ACL or something like that, where it's just like a matter of time. It's just, it's one of those things where it just, where it's just bothersome and painful. Uh, but he still, you know, he still catches lobs, he still dunks, he still does his, you know, his, he shows off his skill set. You know, he can, he just kind of has to, you know, bite down on the mouthpiece sometimes. Um, and you can see it bugs him a little bit. Uh, so that's, that's the issue that they have uh, at that position. But again, it's it's a position that I think is developing some depth too. So they're not, they have the ability if they if they need to to limit him, um, limit his minutes. Same with Martin because Sam Froling's been playing pretty well, and Christian Bishop when you know has has his moments um, when he can kind of get in the half court, get comfortable, and uh, and he's not thinking too much out there. That he's really effective as well at that four position. Um, and he can even handle some fives. He, you know, he can bang with Jacob Epperson. He can bang with Sam Froling. He can get um, low post buckets, get offensive rebounds. But the Jays also have options at small ball lineups. Like J- Damian Jefferson is a guy who can play a small ball four. Uh, Mitch Ballack, we know, did it last year as well. So they're not – I don't think that's a position of panic necessarily. Like you feel like when one injury – because when Martin went down last year, they had Toby Hegner on one leg after that. You know what I mean? Like there's not a whole lot of – there wasn't a whole lot of wiggle room with one catastrophic injury 
this year there's more of that. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, you know, we're talking high ankle sprains, and we saw what that did with Toby. Now, granted, that wasn't the only issue that Toby had had physically with that right. leg, but I mean, Martin's not exactly a spring chicken either from the health department recently. So, I mean, how much does that concern? Like, are, I guess what I'm getting at is, am I going to sit here in the middle of the season again and be just beside myself with some sort of season ending injury again for what seems to be the third or fourth straight year for the Blue Jays. I mean, I know that's probably overstating things, but how much concern do Jays fans have to have at this point, knowing that it's quote unquote, just practice, you know, we talk about practice, but you know, is this something to be concerned about? I would say no, okay. because if you're, if you're, if you're trying to prognostic or predict a season ending injury, I don't think either of those, either of the two that I, I, that are worth monitoring currently are sure. are headed towards that territory. If you know what I mean. Good for me. Um, that's, not, that's not to say like Martin couldn't injure his ankle and have a season any injury, or that Jacob couldn't injure his knee and have a season any injury. Like, but it's just these these particular injuries aren't going to cause that. If you know what I'm saying. Right. Um, the thing with Martin that's probably bothersome is you, you, they they he's still not a hundred percent like back to the, he's he's not at the timetable yet from the ACL. So it's like. Um, how as much as he wants to be out there, you kind of have to pull him back a little bit and make sure he's ready when it matters. So that's the battle with that the coaching staff is is going through with him because he's such a workhorse. He just doesn't, you know, he's the last guy off the floor still, even when he's injured. It's crazy. I mean, you really have to just lock him out of the gym to keep him off the basketball court. Sure. Um, so it's one of those things where he just has to be smart about his rehab, about his treatment, about his recovery um, in order for him to get through the year. Um, but neither of these two injuries are, are are things that I feel like are going to crop up in the middle of the season and, um, you know, cause the Jays to have to alter their entire plan going forward. So. Sure. All right, let's talk about non-injury front stuff, but somebody that obviously dealt with some – some some nagging injury last year um, in his first year after transferring and sitting out for the Jays, Caleb Joseph. I know you mentioned in yesterday's practice report, Coach Murfeld talking about, um, or maybe it was just you writing it, uh, about the switch to kind of off-guard duty for Caleb. And is that something that the team is just going to move forward with full bore and it's Davion and Marcus running the point and – Yep. And we should just get ready for Caleb Joseph in that off guard spot. Is that kind of how things are looking right now? Yes, that is absolutely accurate, one hundred percent. Okay, so how's that how's that um how's that showing up in practice? I mean, is he looking comfortable? It sounded by your write up that that he had some good spots there and can get to the rim, find I think Murph said find a gap, find a <coughs> uh, find a space there um on the perimeter to get to get the ball moving down toward the lane, but what's it looked like so far for you? I think he's, I think he's got natural ability to play that position. I felt, you know, even it's, it's so, it's so tough because being a point guard and being a shooting guard, there's not a whole lot of difference when you have the ability to score the ball, you mm-hmm. know, you kind of get lost in the middle there. Um, I felt, you know, and you look at his skill set, he's got the ability to score. Um, he can shoot well, he can slash, uh, he can finish at the rim. Um, you know, he's got some toughness. So, you know, you like to see that. Uh, but, yeah, I think he's been definitely uh, one of the more promising players, one of the more impressive players so far, just in terms of his transition and his ability to, you know, handle it. Um, 
like I just with all, with his skill set, I think he can score. I think he's going to be a, a good spark plug off the bench, um, and kind of keep the guys in front of him honest. Uh, with Tyshawn playing that position as well, he's not playing any point guard either. Um, after they had him do it some last year as well. Mm-hmm. So those two guys have really moved comp- exclusively off the ball, um, and their fo- their entire focus is just you know moving, cutting. Uh, you know, kind of getting a grasp on where they're supposed to be position-wise, uh, where they're supposed to be along the three-point line. Um, that's kind of the the transition part of it. But they've been pretty good so far. So um, I think Caleb Joseph will have a pretty important role on this team this year um, at that position because I think you know I think the Marcus and Davion I think are going to split the time down the middle almost at point guard. So there really isn't much more room to negotiate playing time at that position as long as both of those two are healthy. So. And if I they're not healthy we'll going forward, if they're not healthy, Martin can just step in because he'll just play whatever and he can run the point. <laughs> and we get uh, all right. So I know we're not going to go too long tonight. Uh, we're at about twenty minutes right now. Um, so they're going to practice early Friday morning. They're going to have a couple days. Then uh, they're going to get back in the swing of things. Because it's fall break, right? Isn't it fall break? I think Isn't probably. God, I wish I, I wish I had a fall break, man. Oh, I could use a fall break right now. Six like, six a.m. practice. Like I'm already up with the boys, so I can I can practice at six a.m. Let's do this. I'll bring the coffee. Yeah, just, be good. We'll just show down. Just bring them. Just bring them into the gym. Oh man, with the boys. We'll have a field that. day. Ooh, boys would love that. The guys, uh, the guys love some, taking pictures with fans and stuff like that. You'll be fine. You'll have some defensive energy at that point. James will get out there, play some <laughs> D. He'll scrap. Uh, but if you're if you're writing out the starting five against the Gophers, who are you putting on the court? For your, for your, I know they're not your Creighton Blue Jays, but for our Creighton Blue Jays, who are you throwing out there for those thirty-five? Do it, come on. Are you, are you letting me have Martin back from the ankle? Because that's kind of soon. Yeah, but do you think they're going to be able to keep? I mean, I know they're not going to let him play, and he's not going to play. But yeah, let's pretend. I would Martin's imagine. Healthy. I mean, I, if you just let me project out the day one, I think it's Jacob, Martin, Mitch, Tyshawn, and Davion. So, okay. I, I actually wouldn't be surprised, Marcus or Davion, either one, like. They're hmm. they're neck and neck, so um, kind of. Buried. Like I said, I think I think I think they'll split that down the middle. So I wouldn't be surprised if either one of them. Uh, Marcus was was with that first four that I mentioned for the scrimmage to start the scrimmage. So sure. Davion played with him in the second half. So I think that they've both gotten first team first team reps starter reps in practice mm-hmm. um, when they're both healthy. So honestly, that's a coin flip. How deep? But. How deep does this team seem right now? I mean, everybody starts to talk about red shirts, essentially when guys commit or when the next season, you know, kind of starts to roll around. But how deep is this team going to go? Playing uh, in terms player of wise. success? No, oh, no, no player wise. Player I was wise. like, I was like, uh, no, we're a little early. No, for that. Um, we're a little early, for, even for me, for that. So yeah. Um, I, honestly, I was I was trying to think about it in my head today too because I'm watching and I'm trying to think who's gonna filter out of the rotation when it gets down to when the season really gets rolling Mm -hmm. and big play starts and things like that. Christian Bishop might be a guy that loses it a little bit if he can't, uh, you know, if the speed of the game really is affecting him because like I said, because of the depth of that position, not because of his skill set. But I honestly don't see who, who phases out. Um, They just have, there's not a whole, there's not a superstar. Um, Martin is probably the closest to that. I think he has a, the ability to be a first team all biggies player. 
Um, just because of the system and the numbers he's going to put up, the numbers he was putting up last year, and he looks even better this year. I'm, you know, I just translate that to a little bit of an increase if he gets if he gets healthy. Um, I see him having a really really big year, so he's got that potential to be the star of the team. But the rest of them is kind of like you know the 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 whole is greater than the sum of the parts type of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I see a lot of guys just having a chance and just depending on who's who's getting down and you know defending and who's who's playing well offensively without making mistakes and who's shooting well. I see it being like a free flowing thing. Uh, it's you know it's kind of similar to what Kirsten Brenthal Booth has over on the volleyball side of things with just a lot of depth and she can kind of like pick a number on a day when if someone that she puts out there in the starting lineup isn't having it and or doesn't have it and she thinks a change can be made so she hasn't been afraid to make that mid-match this year mm-hmm. uh, just because of the depth they have and I think you know Greg McDermott might have some of that um, some that luxury as well uh, you know if, if a guy is off one night and you know there's a guy behind him that has been practicing well and is ready to go uh, so I could see 10 deep I, I wouldn't be surprised um, there's just a lot of depth at a lot of positions without there necessarily being someone who has a stranglehold on the position. But I feel like the starters are pretty locked in, um, barring an injury at this point. So that's definitely – you can definitely tell who the first group is, but I I still feel like the backups, the reserves, the gray team, because um, they've gone to gray jerseys this year, so it's blue and gray. Okay. Um, I think the gray jersey, the team that's usually on the gray side of things, has a chance to get playing time as well. Interesting. You had a nice segue there to Coach Booth's program. Um, like that. Took care of. Yeah, you know where you, you're a pro, man. We're not. What are we? Episode was this 47, 48? Like, yeah, know, something like that. We're, we're seasoned vets at this point. Uh, so they had a good weekend last weekend, took care of business, didn't drop a set. Yeah. So where do they go this weekend? What are they looking forward to? Uh, can the Big East survive another weekend of Creighton Blue Jay volleyball? Uh, or any upsets <laughs> uh, any upsets on the horizon staring Coach Booth and her program in the face? I don't think the Big East has been able to survive Creighton Volleyball for a few years now. Uh, if I you know. look at the record. But, hey, that's what I'm talking um, about. They, but, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but they, do, <laughs> they do have Georgetown and Villanova this weekend on the road, and those have been difficult places for them to, you know, difficult places for them to earn wins, not necessarily from the aspect that they haven't earned the wins out there, but, you know, they've also had a hard time doing it. Um, so they've got to be sharp this weekend. Uh, it's just a matter of, they just can't, there's just no room for error in this league because it's just not very good. Um, and they want to host and they didn't, they felt like they let, they were just one win away from feeling really confident coming out of the non-con. If they had finished the Nebraska match, if they, mm-hmm. if they had finished the USC match, or I guess, you know, you're down two to one, so you don't say finish, but I mean, they had a chance to win that. They had a chance to beat Nebraska. Um, you know, the, the the three sets they lost against Illinois were close. Like, they just felt like they left one on the board that would have been a, a key one. Um, so they – they and then you look at the Big East, outside of Marquette, there's nothing. So it's it's just – there's it's not a lot of margin for error. You can't drop one of these matches. But at the same time, they're not going to be cupcakes either. You know what I'm saying? So these two matches out on Villanova and Georgetown this weekend are going to be difficult because – it's just two teams that have really given them trouble, especially on the road. So sure, um, they, they've got to be sharp. They've got to be sharp. They, they, I mean, that's just the bottom line. They know it too. It's not like I'm putting any pressure on them. They understand the situation. Um, they understand that eighteen and zero or seventeen and one with maybe a loss at Marquette being the only blemish um, is kind of what they're staring at if they want to host. So 
they, they, it's no secret to them. They got to take care of business. So it's no secret, and you're saying you're not putting any pressure on them, which I totally dig. But do they feel the pressure, or has this just been the way that it's they've had to operate the last couple seasons? Because even in the year when maybe it was more than just the Blue Jays and Marquette, it's still not much more, right, in this league. So, uh-huh. I mean, is this just something that they're used to at this point, and they have to pretty much plan accordingly to dominate? Not that they don't I want think, to, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think with, with, with J.D. Winters, Taryn Cloth, Megan Ballinger, and Brittany Witt as your leaders – um, as your most experienced players, it's not, you know, and even Sam Bonet, I don't think, you know, who comes in and uh, is really good from the serving line. And uh, I just don't think pressure is a problem for the, for the veterans. Um, so the leadership aspect of the team, you know, has no trouble getting locked in. Um, and they don't really, they're not, they're not under pressure to win every match because they want to win every match. Like they, they are hungry to do it. Uh, but you saw in the Butler match that when things started going sideways, they didn't handle it very well early on. They had to dig that one out a little bit. So it's it it has been an issue um, just in terms of handling the pressure of a team that's hungry to be you and you being the overwhelming favorite. Um, so that's something that they're going to have to learn along the way as the season gets into crunch time in order to you know have that edge at the end of the year when they're playing again, when they're playing the teams that uh, – they felt like they played in the non-con that they'll see later in December. Um, so it's not a con- it's not a concern from the upperclassmen and from the leadership, but it has been an, it has been something they've had to deal with this season, uh, which is why they have to keep working towards making that um, just erasing that as the year goes on and starting this weekend with two teams that I said have given them trouble before. Sure. Now let's segue quick over to the other um, nationally ranked fall sports program on the hilltop elmar bolovich's creighton men's soccer program what's uh obviously very um eventful match out in st john's last last saturday they go down one nil and then score three uh unanswered goals out there um to get the dub what are they looking at this week and uh what should jays fans expect from the blue jays on the road well, they'll be at Xavier tomorrow, and it's a place that they – I don't think they've – I don't know if they haven't won there since they joined the Big East or just recently. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely a place they've struggled uh, to get a result. I think the last time they were there, it's a pretty heartbreaking way to lose a match, but um, it was just a, a lack of – just didn't mark the far post, and an easy, they let an easy goal go in overtime to take the loss in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a team that, that has been scrappy, and I think Xavier – you know, it's just, I don't know. They just find a way to, to score that goal when you, when they're getting, you know, outplayed. Sure. They've been that team. I think every year uh, that Creighton has played them, they just, they're just really scrappy. They hang in there. Kind of like that Denver team they played, you know, where Creighton, it felt like Creighton was, was on the cusp of getting the go ahead goal. And and then all of a sudden they got scored on. So Mm -hmm. it's one of those things where you got to be, where they're going to have to be locked in for 90 minutes or however long it takes. Uh, Cause Xavier has proven in the past in this, in this matchup that they're, they're able to take advantage of things as the match wears on and gets later and things. Um, so that's going to be a tough test for them on the road tomorrow. Yeah. You alluded to St. John's the win there, but then losing uh, earlier last week in a, uh, in a battle of two top 15 teams, Denver comes here, gets the win um, in a game that, you know, the Blue Jays really 
seem to, at least from the stat sheet, be uh, controlling quite a bit. Um, just couldn't just couldn't get that win at home. And so I know maybe we're what, about, uh, let's see, month, month and a half away from having a, a real better view about this team's chances to return to the NCAA tournament. But, um, you know, what's that looking like so far? I haven't really paid much attention yet. I've been trying to keep my eyes on – on the prize with volleyball and, and not get ahead of myself a little bit, but uh, you know, I'm, you know what I'm trying to say. I, I like how I've changed your focus. On totally. The sport. You know, I'm like, uh, I did look to see where the, fi- I did look to see where the, the college cup was this year. So California, that'd be nice. Right. I think it's out. <laughs> I think it's out there. Um, yeah. Not to get ahead of myself. It but, should be out there. Cause I think Stanford's won the last three. So they're probably hosting the college. <laughs> right. Cup probably. Uh, yeah. And they just give them a bye to the college cup. Uh, exactly. But you know, what's this looking like for the Blue Jays? Are they in a are they in a position where they're 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 feeling pretty good about themselves? Uh, you know, I know the RPI and all of that. Elmar will go off on some of those things, but um, just from where you stand next to the program, what's the chatter? What's the feeling amongst the coaches? Uh, well, I mean, there's not, a, there hasn't really been a lot of chatter about it at this point. I think they're just trying to get, you know, just to keep improving and get better and, you know, kind of get back to that level. Uh, that's kind of been the mantra they've used all season and they're taking it, they're taking it kind of one match at a time in that approach. Um, they know they have to, you know, they're really excited for the Denver match cause they felt like it was an opportunity to get a really big win. Um, I guess the top five team, top 10 team. Mm-hmm. So that was one that was kind of demoralizing, uh, but they but they bounced back. They got the win at St. John's, which is not easy to do. St. John's is just a really just physical, scrappy team. Like they they make it ugly. Red cards are going to be seen in that type of match. They have been in the past. Um, there's usually post game brawls. So <laughs> that that's just that St. type. John's. Of, that's just that type of team, man. Those uh, St. John's and Seton Hall just really are fighters. They just fight. That's the bottom line. <laughs> Like every sport, it doesn't matter. I swear, they just bring that East Coast edge, and like, and when they when they get scrapping with like Creighton, it's just there's too many there's too many moments to count in St. John Seton Hall matchups with Creighton where it's been like where fists are just flying. It feels like almost. Um, so yeah, that was that. They but they bounced back. They got the win on the road, and that's important. Um, three points on the road in the Big East are going to be huge. I you know I feel like Creighton's in a strong position right now, but. Obviously, they have to finish that way too. So, um, I don't think it's on their mind at all. But they certainly want to end the year this year better than they ended last year. That's always been the goal, it's been the goal from day one. Um, but it's just all about the, the the steps they have to take to get to that point. So, sure, Xavier's next. Yeah, a quick look at the most up to date NCAA official RPI. Jay's coming in number 11, Denver, who you mentioned earlier, uh, sitting at 12. And then the next closest Big East team after the Jays is Georgetown at 41 and Xavier at 49. So uh, five draws for the Musketeers so far this year. Kind of an interesting Mm -hmm. three draws at home. So um, obviously things are going to be close with them and we should expect nothing less, but um, Blue Jays seeming to be in a good position to, like you said, finish the season better than they finished last year. Uh, man, looking at this RPI, though, geez. North Carolina, Wake Forest, Notre Dame, Virginia, Louisville, Syracuse. Two through ACC. seven. Two through seven. <laughs> ACC, it just yeah. screams yeah. at you, right? They, yeah, they dominate college soccer. Throw in UConn and Virginia Tech, and you've got 
all of those ACC programs in the top 15 of the most recent RPI. Looking for our boy Stanford here. Where are we at, Stanford? Okay, 18, 6, 1, and 3. So there you go. Uh, yep. What else do you want to talk about before you go to bed? I know you got to be up at practice early. Uh, I think I, I heard there was a Nebraska wall quote that might be of interest later on down the road about um, over at Big Ten Media Days in Chicago about beating Creighton, so we'll see. Wait, I don't know what? if we can talk about that right now. It's probably still still early, but wait, what? I've heard. I haven't seen. I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard that it's out there. That you... that someone mentioned that Creighton being a, a match or a game that they've circled and a win that they're going to get this year. So <laughs> I, I'm sure it'll come up as the as the game comes up. But uh, oh. I, I've heard it. I've heard it's out there for now. If people are um, are looking to dig into it, I think. Uh, okay. Andy Kendi of KETV was the one who had it on his uh, sportscast tonight. So, yeah, it's I mean it's basically almost basketball season at this point. Football's zero and five, right? Is Damn. it even football season in yeah. here anymore? So, yeah, I mean, so that's I almost done. So it's a volleyball it's a volleyball season at this point right now because football's out of it. Yeah. Uh, so as soon as that's December, will be their time to shine on the volleyball court, and then um, when do Creighton Nebraska play that first week of December? So yeah. It's, uh, it'll be coming. It'll be coming up. Maybe yeah, you know. Who knows? Might be. Might get two Creighton Nebraska matches and like in the basketball teams, and then um, the volleyball teams maybe rematching. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I, they obviously scheduled it for a home game that weekend because they knew they would not be wherever the Big Ten title game is. Um, so they have that Saturday <laughs> home game against the Jays to make everybody feel better. But honestly, if they don't beat if they don't beat Creighton this year, I mean, Tim's never going to do it because uh, just looking at the rosters at this point. You would assume this would be a game Nebraska would be favored in, but I mean, the last, you would think so, right? Yeah. yeah, the last time that happened. Although I did see something last night, uh, Darren from that is also a White and Blue Review tweeted out like uh, lines for the scrimmages. So I guess Vegas is putting down. Oh my god, that's amazing! <laughs> putting down actions for the close scrimmage. Creighton's favored over Minnesota, but Nebraska is an underdog against Iowa State. So, oh god, Iowa State's salty, dude. They got some yeah. guys. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see how that. We'll see how the hype uh, translates. How once. fun would it be if you could just sneak into those scrimmages? <sighs> like I said, I mean, I know they're they're, they're they a keep col- those things. A college, there, I'll, a college. I'll see if I can find a disguise year by year. I try yeah. every year. So well, well, I mean, you know, somebody eventually is going to get a phone in there, and they're going to Facebook Live it or something, and everything is going to melt down, and the NCAA is going to have a big fit. But until that. <laughs> We can always try to figure out ways to espionage our way inside of those things. But uh, I think yeah, the NCAA will be busy that weekend still trying to figure out what the hell is going on in New York. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yikes. We don't really want to – we don't have too much time to get into that stuff. But I saw that there's um, quite a bit of uh, – it sounds as though the day today on federal in federal court was – was rather entertaining with the witnesses up on the stand. So yeah, I just clicked on that article when we were starting this podcast. I'm really interested to read that. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, so everybody, you know, as as far as I could see, scanned through no uh, Preston Murphy uh, nuggets in there, but Billy Preston does take uh, quite a bit of a, a star turn on the witness stand. Not actually as a witness, but in uh, a lot of the stories that were told today on the stand in New York City. So for all you college hoops junkie who can't figure out a way how to sneak into these uh, close scrimmages next weekend, at least you can keep your 
uh, so I was busy reading some of those dispatches from federal court and try to figure out any thing that makes sense from what's going on out there because it is just not a great turn for PR <laughs> for the no. NCAA and college hoops. Oh my God, but no! It's just a mess. Yeah, some of the testimony from that is just outrageous. Dude, they like, said people. They said people today, both like the, the at what point at one point the judge laughed. That's how I, yeah, one right? of the stories was. He, he just my favorite laughing. my my favorite thing have been the tweets that like repeat <laughs> what have been said, and then at the very end they they say been stricken from the records. So, like everything you just saw <laughs> goes into the public domain. But it doesn't stay within the court because it's so outrageous, outlandish, and inappropriate that it has to be stricken from the official federal record. Um, but it gets dissected and disseminated to all of us. I think that, that that's been the funniest part for me is seeing all the inappropriate stuff that the reporters have been tweeting that then have to be stricken from the record. Um, it's just a, like a circus, man. Yeah. I would hate to be caught up in that. And so I'm being, to bring this back home for – for us because now we're standing at 40 minutes so we're twice as long as i told you we would be tonight so i, I apologize that's but okay if any jays fans have not watched uh father hendrickson's uh video that he posted um on creighton's website and that a lot of us alumni received via email go and watch that i mean a couple minutes worth of the prez talking about the situation and i think leaving um you know his thoughts very clearly out there uh uh, as to as to what the mood and what the climate's like on campus regarding all this stuff, so uh, I think Creighton's whole response to it has been pretty pretty good in a step by step way. You know what I mean? I just yeah. I, I know I know it kind of looks like they're they're tripping over themselves, but they're really not. I mean, I, if I could just I don't know how I can describe the mood of everything on campus, but it just seems like everything's under control. They don't it doesn't look any different. You know what I mean? Um, talking to people doesn't feel any different. Um, I just, I just think they're, they're kind of handling it as it goes and just dealing with whatever comes their way. Um, but they're also being proactive there. You know, they've done internal investigations. Um, they've had results from those, uh, you know, and, and the university released something immediately. Then, then RAS came out, then Matt came out and then father Hendrickson came out. So like they've had four responses to this, each one, getting more and more detailed each one, uh, getting more and more specific. I'm not really sure from Graydon's perspective what they can do more at this point until something new or more concrete comes their way that they can deal with. Yeah. Um, Because they've just been, they've been pretty, you know, they've had multiple reactions to it from multiple layers of their administration and their university. Um, So I just, I just think it's, from their perspective, it's over at this point until something more concrete comes their way that they have to deal with uh, legally. So, sure, it is what it is at this point. I don't know what else they can do. No, I don't think anything. If if anything, it's a PR situation at this point. And you know, whether you have a great PR department or not, or you use outside PR help or whatever it is, um, it's just always something. You know, at this point, it's it's an image thing. It's something to deal with, right? So, mm-hmm. like you said, until there's something more concrete or whatever, we'll just bide our time reading hilarious anecdotes from the federal witness stand and hope that, you know, hope that we're not at the butt of those jokes, frankly. Um, so I'll look forward to reading that tonight as well. But, uh, next time we hear from you, Matt, we will be touching base on, um, you know, what's, what's essentially been a, a week of practice leading up to the closed scrimmage. And then we'll, mm-hmm. we'll have, uh, 
have a nice conversation in our next podcast about the closed scrimmage um, from whatever you're able to glean from coaches and players. And that'll all be happening at our Script Town Brewing Company uh, sponsors uh, spot in the Blackstone District in Omaha. So big news for us. We're going to be doing some live podcasts here this season coming up uh, for men's hoops. And obviously as volleyball and soccer start to wind down in their regular seasons and get ready for postseason play but the good folks over at script town who have been sponsoring the podcast this year they've invited us to come down and do some live podcasting so i'll have to change out of my pajamas and get into some real clothes but that's we'll have to wear pants man i know a pantsless podcast cannot happen at the at the script town <laughs> brewing company uh so we'll be coming to you live and hoping some of you folks want to come down and ask us some questions live on Monday, October 22nd. That's going to be our first live podcast at Script Town. Uh, you know, barring any unforeseen technical issues that cr- creep up during our, our walkthrough that weekend before. But we're gonna, we're really excited, Matt. I know um, we had a nice talk with John, the owner at, at Script Town earlier this week. And I know they're excited to host. They're excited to have some Jays fans come through. They're kind of excited to uh, to carve out their niche in Blackstone as as being Blue Jay friendly. They've they talked about having some of the viewing parties there this year. They had some some good crowds last year for some Jays road games. Um, so home and away, you know, getting into Script Town and and making them. Uh, making them feel like a, a home court advantage for the Blue Jays because I know there's a lot of folks with Creighton ties that are in around the Blackstone District or willing to come down and hang out. So we hope to see a lot of you guys there, um, take some questions, hopefully eventually to have some live guests too. So um, as always, for all of you diehard Blue Jays Bites podcast listeners that have been sticking with us as we've gotten this thing off the ground, we hope to see you guys down there. And, uh, and I really thank you in advance for your support. But uh, that was a long enough ramble. Matt, you got anything before we uh, before we hit uh, stop on recording this bad boy tonight? No, I'm good. I, you know, I just I'm pretty excited about the you know the script town thing as well. I mean, I think what is that 40, 40th and Far, Farnham? Uh, you know, just yeah, right up the third, way. Yeah, but it's, a good, it's yeah, it's in a cool area. You know, I think it's a, a chance just, and I think it's just a good way to kind of further engage. Uh, Creighton fans and obviously the people that follow our work um, just to you know give them just a new avenue to 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 engage and ask questions and interact and things like that I'm always up for that type of stuff so I'm really excited about the opportunity here um, and obviously thanks Script Down for giving us the opportunity and you know we'll get the Kings hired out early and when the basketball season rolls around hopefully we're firing all cylinders and it'll be some fun nights while the Jays are on the road and getting people in town having some having some basketball guests, having some former Blue Jays um, come and do some meet and greets some show, you know, answer some questions and things like that and just kind of interact. It'll be pretty fun. I think it's something that, you know, this, this fan base is, I think, big enough to handle. Um, just There's just a lot of hunger for more and more coverage every year, and I think um, it'll be a pretty fun thing to just try out and see how it goes. Yeah. It'll be fun, and we'll be the ones to bring it to you. And so, and and everything, uh, like everything else that we've ever done, it's all free. It's all for the fans, and it only happens because fans participate. So, hope to see you guys at Script Town. 
Um, and if not, you can just shoot us questions ahead of the podcast or make fun of us about the podcast on Twitter. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Like that. We've got thick skin, so encouraged. we can handle it. Yeah, totally encouraged. Um, all right. So I guess we're going to wrap the. Sorry, a little technical difficulty. See, we got to get the kinks out here now, but um, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to go ahead and wrap up tonight. For Matt D. Marinas, I'm Brian Todd. We want to thank you all for listening to this episode of the Blue Jays Bites podcast. We're going to go ahead and sign off tonight and have a good night. And go Jays.